Yeah, our series is United, um, and the, the, the image that sums up United is from Predator, one of the greatest films of all time. It shows what we are created to be, um, that this is when Dutch uh, meets Dylan after many years, and they're, they're reunited and you can see that nothing's changed between them, that they're ready to do the dirty work of the United States government and potentially kill some aliens. But really what we've uh, been learning is that, is that uh, friendship, and, and friendship not just between uh, just people, but also between spouses, friendship of, of any sort is really built out of the image of God. God is triune. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And the union, or the, what we call the intra-Trinitarian uh, relations between Father, Son, and Spirit, are the image by which we, as human beings, are supposed to relate to each other. And so we've been seeing how that works out. Now this week, where our topic is forgiveness. And that's not something that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have to work, worry about, because they're never in disharmony. The oneness of God is absolute and complete. Uh, there's never a time where the will of the Father and the will of the Son is out of sync. There's never a time when the Spirit is not um, empowering the Son to do the will of the Father or, or, the, or have the Father glorify the Son. It's something that we deal with. And yet, I think you'll see that there is an element to which um, the, the Trinitarian relations do set the pattern for how we forgive. And so in order to see that, we're going to take a look at Hosea. Um, Hosea 11. If you're not familiar with the book of Hosea, Hosea it was uh, the basis of Francine Rivers' uh, Redeeming Love. The story of Hosea is there's a prophet who God calls to marry a prostitute. And what happens is that uh, he, Hosea does marry the prostitute, but she keeps, Gomer, I think her name is, she keeps going back into prostitution. She keeps uh, leaving him and, and plying her trade. And God commands Hosea to keep taking her back. Like, even though uh, she's broken the covenant of their relationship, uh, God says, this is an image of me and Israel. Like, I, I, Israel keeps going after foreign gods, and, and yet every single time, when they're ready, when they're ready to repent, I'm going to bring them back. And so this is the culmination where uh, the prophet is speaking uh, for God, or God's speaking through the prophet. I, I've shown that this is uh, it's poetry. That's why it's uh, the, all those indents. This is Hebrew poetry. Most prophecy is. Um, so don't be confused by that. That's just why uh, the, the, the indents are the way they are. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. <laughs> You've stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all guilt. Accept that which is good, and we will offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria can't save us. We'll not ride upon horses. He will say no, we will say no more our God to the work of our hands, to idols. We're not going to call idols our God anymore. In you, the orphan, we, uh, Israel's saying, we're, we're orphaned now. Uh, we're orphaned, you, you've left us. In, in you, the orphan finds mercy. It goes on. And what's going to happen? God says this, if you guys do that, I will heal your disloyalty. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned for them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall strike root like the forests of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out, his roots uh, will spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive tree. His fragrance like that of Lebanon. They shall again live beneath my shadow. They shall flourish as a garden. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fragrance shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, Ephraim is another word for Israel. O Israel, what have I, what have I to do with idols? 
It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen juniper tree. Your fruit comes from me. Those who are wise understand these things. Those who are discerning know them, for the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. There's a lot going on here. Part of it is the imagery that we're not super used to because very few of us have a lot of contact with the land, and clearly uh, Israel is an agrarian society, and so a lot of the language there. But there is something that's very interesting uh, I I want us to notice up front, and that is pronouns. Pronouns are super hot right now. Uh, People like to change their pronouns um, from he, him, to them, they. Notice that God does something similar. I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely. My anger is turned from them. I will be like due to Israel. He, he, his, his, his. And then it goes right back to they, they, their. Why? Well, one of the main uh, images for Israel that's used throughout the Old Testament is Israel as God's son. The son of God is Israel. God's like the father, and God's son is this, this people. Now, obviously, there's lots of them. Israel's many people, but... But God thinks of them as his son. Who else is known as God's son in the Bible? Really? Okay, come on. Just, just say it. It's like, the, like the easiest thing is shout it out. Well, let's praise him. Jesus! Yeah, Jesus is God's son. The son of God. One of the reasons Jesus is called the son of God is because Jesus is um, he's, he's fulfilling what Israel was supposed to do and failed to do. Um, I have uh, here Albrecht Durer's uh, 1511 painting of the Trinity, the Adoration of the Trinity. Um, th- you can see in this that God's sort of holding uh, Jesus, the crucified Christ, uh, in his arms. And above, the Holy Spirit is, is uniting them. And if you look at the way that the clouds are, are drawn, and it's almost like a diamond, yes? So there's, multipl- there's multiplicity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And yet they're one. In, in the, they, they create one shape out of which uh, we are to understand them. Him, God. So, similarly, uh, God's, God's triune, but God has a son, Israel, and, and asks Israel to, to live in a certain way. Israel can't do it. Israel fails. They go after idols. Uh, there's various different things that they do. And, and as a result, God has to send God's own son, God's own being, to do what Israel couldn't do, to fulfill uh, Israel's mission. This is why, for example, if you remember um, in the, the New Testament, uh, the Israel, or the Jesus goes and wanders in the wilderness for 40 days fasting. Remember that? The reason he's doing that is because he's recapitulating or coming, uh, redoing what Israel did when they, la- uh, they wandered 40 years in the desert. Right? Or what is Jesus' ministry? One of the things that he does is he, he uplifts the poor. He heals. Why is he doing that? Because Israel failed. Their elites oppressed the poor. Their elites exploited the weak. So Jesus is doing for Israel what God's son could not do on his own. Uh, that's the first thing in your note sheets. Um, when reading the Old Testament, remember that Israel is God's son, and we call it a foretoken, prefiguration of Jesus, who is God's son. If that's all a little, like, you know, heavy and high concept, don't stress it. It's not super important. It's important when you're reading Scripture and trying to understand it, but for the purposes of the sermon, you can put it in your back pocket and ask me about it later. Let's go on to the rest of the text. Your iniquity, take words with you. Return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all guilt. Accept that which is good. We will offer the fruit of our lips. The first thing that's happened, Israel has gone off and done God wrong. God says, I want something from you. 
And it's, it's not just a change of behavior. God wants that, too. But what God really wants is words. God wants them to say what they've done. Right? They, God wants Israel to come up and confess. Okay? And, and after that, we're going to offer the fruit of our lips. Um, the, some of our old texts actually say the bulls of our lips instead of the fruit. Um, we're not sure. That might be the original uh, text. No one knows quite for sure if it's bulls or fruit. But if bulls, it might be like the sacrifice of lips or perhaps the horn, like, <laughs> of the lips. Like, like the shouting out, this, this just pouring out of what's wrong. We, uh, we struggle with this in our house. I have a little, little sexist meme for you. Hope you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Sexist, I know. It's not just, it's not just women. Um, yesterday, yesterday, uh, Erin had lunch with her grandparents. Her grandparents are almost 90 years old. And uh, they live in Palm Desert some part of the year in Bend, Oregon. So we don't see them that often. And to be fair, we don't know how much longer we, we're going to have with them. And so they came down for Thanksgiving, and they invited Aaron and her sister and brother out to, and, and, and their son Dean, out to lunch. And so I was left with the kids. And she left at 11.30 in the a.m. She returned at 4 p.m., and during that time, I survived what can only be described as hell on earth. <laughs> Soren and Olivia were fighting. Olivia was hitting Soren. Soren was hitting her. He was hitting me. Alice refused to eat because she was sick. And it was exhausting. Now, in my heart, I had absolutely, I'm so happy that Erin got to go and spend that time with her family. You know, I think that's amazing. But I was also a little bit upset. And not, not mad at her, but, but mad at the universe that this had happened to me. You know what I mean? Like, and so she gets back, and I'm a little bit grumpy. You know, just a little bit. And she's like, is there anything wrong? Are you mad? I'm like, no, I'm not mad. No, of course not. It's me, Tommy, Pastor Tom. No, no, no. But, uh, but man, you've been gone for four and a half hours. How about that? At a certain point, you know, we, we kind of we kind of worked it out. Um, but and it, it it became funny because you got to laugh at these situations. Um, and it was in the past. Now I I checked out and she took care of the kids for the rest of the night and probably this whole week. So uh, we're good. <laughs> but uh, it it illustrates something very interesting about um, about relationships and the importance of speaking out or confessing what's been done, what's wrong. If we didn't have this, uh, this moment where, where I was like, I finally broke down. I was like, look, it was really tough. I had a hard time. I'm glad you went to King's Fish House without me. I mean, only my favorite restaurant in the, in the area. Like, I, but I'm a, I'm a little frustrated. So I got that out. I confess that. I'm sorry, Aaron. That, was not, that wasn't great. I, I, you deserve better. I married up. You're the one who's the best. You're good looking. I'm not attractive. But I had to get it out, you know? And part of the, and, and one of the things I've noticed with human relationships is sometimes we have a hard time confessing, not just because uh, we don't want to confess, but sometimes we don't even think, we notice that we're wrong. 
right? I mean, there's probably people in Israel who were like, well, no, we needed some backup gods. Sorry, Yahweh, we needed to... And God's like, no, no, you need to understand you messed up here. Tom, you need to understand you messed up. If I don't know that, how can I confess it, right? This is the second thing in your note sheets. Forgiveness can't happen without confession, but... Confession can't happen without admitting guilt, but... Admitting guilt can't happen without us acknowledging in our hearts we've done wrong. And sometimes we don't know that we have. Sometimes we need... So here, my point is, when he's like, what's wrong? Nothing is not the right answer. I uh, I had a roommate who was super passive-aggressive back in like 2005 or 6. And uh, this girl was coming around to our place... And uh, he went out with her a couple times. It fizzled. And so I was like, hey, Daryl, do you mind if I take her surfing? He's like, oh, yeah, go ahead. So I did. Terrible choice. She, she broke my board, so I had to have that fixed. So she was cut immediately. Um, but we, I, I got back, and I noticed that Daryl wasn't talking to me. And he was like, and, and he was piling up dishes in the, dish, in the sink. Very odd behavior for him. I was like, dude, is anything wrong? He's like, oh, no, man, everything's fine. Like, oh, okay, all right. Later, my buddy Mike, he's like, dude, that was not cool when you took that girl out after she wrecked him. So I go to Daryl. I'm like, Daryl, man, I'm, I messed up, dude. I thought you were over it. I screwed up. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, whoa. Whoa, okay. This, is this how this is going to go? And I'm like, look, man, obviously you're over it, but I still feel bad. And we got our relationship back together. But man, if I didn't have that knowledge, how, how could we have repaired things? If Mike hadn't come from the side, don't say nothing. Or at least don't go to bed having only said nothing. You have to let a person know what they've done wrong. And then that person has to acknowledge it. Then they got to admit guilt. And then they can confess to you. The lip thing is important. That brings up a couple of questions. Are you a confessor or a paper overer? There's a lot of us out there who don't want to admit we've done wrong. I tell my kids, I'm like, I'm right about 95, 6% of the time. The other day, I, uh, I, I, my phone, I, I couldn't find it. I knew I'd left it on the counter, and I was like, who did this? Who moved my phone? And I was blaming my, uh, my, my three-year-old uh, nephew. So I call it. what did you do with my phone? And he was crying. And then I found, <laughs> he wasn't really, that's, that's a joke. <laughs> but then uh, my mother-in-law finds it. it was on top of the refrigerator. I had put it there and forgotten. And I said, family, I am going to demonstrate that on the rare occasion when I am wrong, I will admit it. I have done wrong, Colin. I apologize. Hope you haven't been scarred for life. I did wrong. I apologize. Will you forgive me? But some of us, and some of the time, we like to just, just hope that, you know, Things go back to normal. Another question. When was the last time you admitted that you did wrong? If it's been a long time, something might be wrong. Okay? If it's been a long time since you looked someone in the eyes and said, I did wrong, and I apologize, I'm sorry, then you might be damaging a relationship in a way that's really not cool. You've got to be able to say it. Uh, one more. Are you self-aware enough to know when you've wronged someone? 
some of us, I mean, we, like I said, I'm like 96% right all the time, you know, like I need, I need somebody who's going to be like, hey, no, Tom, that wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. And you might need that too. And if you, and, and you need to have that person that, that you're open, vulnerable enough not to be like, out, I'm perfect. When they say that, to take it to heart. That's all God asks of Israel. Uh, let's go back. What's going to happen? Israel, if you can do this, if you can confess to me with your lips, if you can admit your wrongdoing, what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to heal your disloyalty. Lo- disloyalty. God's going to change their hearts so they're not disloyal any longer. They're going to change. I will love them freely. I will be like dew. You shall blossom like the, 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 the lily. He shall strike root like the forests of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty is like the olive tree. This doesn't make sense to any of us, but if we lived in Israel, we would be like, wow, this is really beautiful and good. Flourish as a garden, blossom like the vine, the fragrance of the wine of Lebanon. I mean, the image is really like, you know, the nose on, on that really good red you opened for Thanksgiving. That's what the image is. It's something beautiful, something wonderful. Notice that this is actually something better than what God promised to Israel at the beginning. Remember what God promises to Israel when they're coming out of Egypt? I will lead you to a land of—does anyone know? Milk and honey. Milk and honey. I'm going to lead you to a really good place. It's got milk and honey. It's going to be great. Well, now God steps the game up. Here we have this broken relationship, but if you come and you confess and you apologize, not only am I going to forgive you, but our relationship is going to be even better than it was before the break. Not just milk and honey, Israel, but now I'm going to, you're going to blossom like a lily. Your roots are going to go out. You're going to be strong as an olive tree. You're, you're, the, 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 you're going to be a beautiful fragrance. You're going to be like a perfume, how beautiful you'll be. You're flourishing like a wonderful garden. You, you, you will blossom like the, the, the grapes of the vine and turned into the finest of wines. You're, it's not just milk and honey anymore, friends. It's the next level. This is something really, really weird about forgiveness. I, uh, I, my, my friend Mike when, uh, in Minnesota, we write the, our sermons together. When we were in seminary, um, I, he would come in every morning to my room because I was obviously sleeping in, and he would uh, bring coffee to me, and he would even uh, straighten up my room for me because I had left books on the floor. I lived like a hobo. And he, and he was the one who took care of me. That's now Aaron's job. Um, but at the time, it was Mike's. And I got so used to it that I stopped trying. I, just, I was like, oh, I, I've got a, I've got a, you know, a guy who's going to take care of me. So I, I, I can just... <clears throat> so I stopped you know, doing laundry. <laughs> I, stopped. I just really, like, honestly, I just took advantage of him. And one time, Mike, uh, one day he comes in and, you know, he's about to, like, take care of me or whatever. And he looks at me and he's like, you're a real blickety blank. And he used a non-seminarian word to describe who I was. Loosely translated to a cow's butt. And I was like, and he's like, you're better than this, number one. And number two, I don't deserve this. And he kind of read me the riot act. And I was hurt, you know? 
hey, I deserve this. Who, who should be expected to clean up their own room? Nobody. And it took a, a little while, and he just stomped off, and, and I just sat there in bed, um, and I kind of thought about it. And uh, maybe like a few hours later, I would realized, okay, he's not wrong. And so I go over to his place next door, and I knock on the door, and he, he opens the door, and I'm like, look, man, you're right. I was not being cool at all. I, I don't even, I, I started taking advantage, I started taking advantage of you, taking you for granted. You're right about that. And I hurt you, and I'm sorry. And Mike, being Mike, just gets a big hug, and he gets me in there. And we were closer than we'd ever been before. Our relationship moved from just two guys who were, you know, trying to do life and, and prepare for ministry and understanding theological things. It moved from that to brothers. And it was because I hurt him. And because I was able to admit that, and it was because he was able to forgive me that that relationship matured. The same thing happens between us and God. The same thing happens with all of our deep relationships. It's the process of hurting and forgiving that deepens them. It creates a kind of trust that we didn't have before. Because you don't know what's going to happen when you hurt somebody. You, they might run, and a lot of you have experienced this, where you hurt somebody or they hurt you, and one of the other, other parties just took off and said, that's it, I'm done, I cut this off. And you're, that's your experience, that's, that's how you relate to people. To have somebody cut, break that cycle, and, and say, no, I'm with you, even though you're not perfect. That's the next thing you know, she's... Forgiveness deepens the relationship. Withholding forgiveness destroys it. And this is, this is why God's love, or Israel's experience of God, God's love, grows and grows and grows, despite their many failures. And it's ultimately the, the, the love of God manifests in the ultimate gift and sacrifice of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, coming and doing for Israel what Israel could not. And God showing, I'm going to forgive you no matter what. I'm going to be for you no matter what. You can't run far enough where I won't love you. God had every right to cut off the relationship, say, no more forgiveness for you. You've gone too far. Just a, a few, a few questions. Think of a few of your strongest friendships. Have you had the opportunity where you confessed or forgave, and did it change things? Is this is this your experience? There's a number of you that I've had to say sorry to um, for things that um, like you were wronged, and the way that you have loved me in that. And accepted me regardless has deepened my faith in you and my faith in in us. One more. Think of a broken relationship. Maybe it's yours, maybe it's someone else's. Was there a moment where there was a cut? Said, I'm not going to apologize again or I'm not going to forgive again.
Take a look at this from the, uh, the end of the text. This is so cool. Uh, if you have a different version, like on your phone or in, in a Bible, um, it, it probably reads a little bit differently, but the, the Hebrew here, um, I am like an evergreen juniper. Uh, your fruit comes from me. Uh, that word fruit is correct. That's, that's the, the Hebrew that's behind it. But the image that's being created by God is something a little bit different. See, it's, it's like um, God's saying, I'm like an evergreen. And the juniper uh, tree is the one, it has little like berries and they, they, they come year-round, right? Um, and, and God says, I'm that. And so whatever fruit you have comes from me. And the point is not that the fruit comes from God, but that the fruit never stops coming. Uh, so the old NRSV translates this, I'm, an, I'm like an evergreen, your faithfulness comes from me. And I love that translation because that's what God's getting at. Uh, your ability to keep faith and stay with it, that's a result of being like me. I'm the one who's faithful regardless. And so if you develop that, that's, a, that's, a, that's fruit that comes from my tree. I create faithfulness in you. And only the wise understand these things. What does that mean practically? Well, it's, it's the practical. This is what G- Jesus and Peter, do you remember from Matthew 18, this bit where Peter's like, how many times should I forgive? I have it here. I think I have it. I hope I have it. No. Back. Yes. Uh, Peter came to Jesus and, and asked, how many uh, times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times. The reason G- uh, Peter says up to seven times is because at, uh, in, in that day, the, the, the rabbis agreed that if someone wronged you, you had to forgive them up to three times. If they wronged you a fourth time, that was when you cut off relationship. So that's it, I'm done. Peter, because he thinks he's awesome, is like, up to seven, Jesus? <laughs> Jesus is like, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. Why does Jesus say this? Well, it's because that's what God has done for Israel. That's what God has done for us. We've sinned against God so many times. It's an, it's an incomparable number. And every single time, when we in good faith go back to God, he it, it, it forgives us again. In, uh, in 1986, Tom Bodet, the, uh, the NPR uh, reader, uh, person, radio personality, was in Alaska doing a ch- some charity work. And uh, he was giving some address to the charity. And one of the people in the charity was the CEO of Motel 6. And uh, at, the, at the end of the, the, the event, the, the CEO of Motel 6 comes up to Tom Bodette and says, man, you sound just like the people I want in my hotels. Would you do, a, would you do a, a, an advertisement for me? Tom Bodette said, if you're paying me, I'm in. And so he goes, and he's, he's, in, the, he's in a radio studio. They're, they're, this is back when people listened to radio, and they had advertisements on the radio. And he, he goes through the, the, the things about Best Western. It's clean, it's this, it's that. And at the very end, right before he signs off, he ad-libs. He says, a Motel 6, you guys know this? We'll leave the lights on for you. <laughs> he just ad-libbed it, and the, and the CEO was listening. He's like, that's it. That's it. This is 1986. If when you hear a, a Motel 6 ad, which they still make, it is still Tom Bodet, and he still says, 
we'll leave the lights on for you. It's been, what, 30 years, 40 years? And they still leave the lights on for you. Meaning that you are on your cross-country trip, and it's 3 a.m., and you don't know, and then you see the Motel 6 on, you know, lights on, the, the, the lights are still on for you. There's still an opportunity. They, they haven't closed their doors. They haven't shut down. Motel 6 is still there for you. For the last 40 years, and it's going to continue, even after Tombo de- dies, I think he's, uh, he's in his like, sick, late 60s, I think. Even after Tom Bodette passes, that will still be the truth. Motel 6, the lights will be on for you. That's what Jesus is saying to Peter. He's saying, Peter, no matter how bad it gets, if someone comes to you in good faith and wants a restoration, leave the lights on for them. Maybe they take off. Maybe, they, maybe the relationship breaks and they run away and, 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 and you're right to, to not want them to come back. But eventually they do and they come back and, the, and they want to leave the lights on for them. Don't shut down. It's the last thing here. Note sheets. Christian friendships always leave the light on for good faith forgiveness. I say good faith because like it or not, this verse has been used to, um, to encourage abuse, right? Um, for the, uh, the violent, typically husband, but in the case of Johnny Depp, the wife, uh, the violent person comes and hurts. And then, oh, I'm so sorry, it'll never happen again. And hurts again. That is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about when someone sees what they've done and they recognize it and they say, I want to try again. Leave the light on. We live in a world that's so crazily broken. We live in a world where where people now uh, just glory in the way that they've hurt others. It's crazy what you see online, social media, and whatnot. People brag about the way that they've taken down this person or, you know, canceled that one. And as a result, we live in a culture that is increasingly isolated, increasingly cold. Because opening up always ends badly. But we at the church have the chance to image God We have the chance to image the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. We get to image the way that God treated Israel. Always leaving the light on. Always being ready to, to embrace. Always being ready to accept change and transformation. Always being ready to make things whole and right. And imagine what happens when, when people see that. When they see grievous wounds, not just festering and, and, and bitter, but instead wiped away. Forgotten. That's what forgiveness is, right? I mean, once, when you say, I forgive you, what you're, what you're saying is, I am not going to hold this against you ever again. And I could. I could. I could, I could needle you this for years and years. Remember you did this. But I'm going to let it go. Because God let my sins go in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to leave the light on for you. Let's pray.
Gracious God and Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that when we are wrong, when we're wayward, when we are in disharmony with you, that if we come and we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And God, we pray that we'll have that heart for each other, knowing how, how deep and, and hurtful we can be, knowing how much we've experienced loss and, and rejection, but yet in faith to open our hearts to confession and forgiveness that we can image Christian friendships of the world, that people can see that there's something beyond grudges and cancellations, but instead there's the possibility of unity, unity that looks like you, Father, you, Jesus, and you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.